0: Sometimes like don't try to have the best day ever. Just have a day
1: mm.
0: and just know like up until this point, because whoever's listening, I'm sure you're grieving something. You have literally survived a hundred percent of your days.
2: Hi, welcome to the death of my, this is super exciting. A whole new season, a whole new group of people, a whole new everything, new website, new Instagram, new logo. Really just trying to, broaden the death of mine and if you're new here if this is your first time or you've listened to all of these it's a place where people share their stories they're from all over the world and all different stages in their grief whether it's been a month a year 10 years 20 years whatever it is and talk to people who've lost their moms dads brothers sisters husbands wives children and friends everything it's it's been really cool to just hear people's stories and and, you know, I just want a platform, a place where people can come and and share and listen and just be a part of a community. So today I talked to my friend Alexa, and that was awesome. She was my first guest that I had a year ago, a little over a year ago. And here we are a year later and just talking about where we are in our grief journeys now. And it's changed for the both of us, and we talk about that here. So please enjoy Alexa. Hi,
1: it's your dad, just calling me to say hi Check in, see how you're doing I
2: hope all is well
1: Everything's pretty much the same here I'm doing okay I love you
2: Hi
0: Hi
2: How are you?
0: I'm like instantly, my heart just went (gasps) knowing we're starting this, but we're good. We're here. We're alive.
2: Yeah. We're here over a year later. Um, For those who don't know, we just met on a whim like a year and a half ago now. And fast forward a few months later, I started a podcast and you're the first person I wanted to have on. And then we chatted and it was awesome, but where we were then and where we are now is so different, right? I mean, we're talking like that was last April, now it's June, so literally a year and a few months, and I wasn't even in my like death of my dad like it wasn't even a year, and then now it's you know we've already hit two years um and yeah, it's just very exciting.
0: It is so so wild. Um, We were talking before we hit record on this, that today I listened to our, our episode from a year ago and it's wild to self-reflect. I mean, which so many people don't do, but to think, I thought I had things figured out then. I thought I had things figured out prior yeah. and how much truly has changed, but also listening to that and being reminded the things that happened like in a good way um, and how like c- certain things I've learned from this will truly I think stick for life
1: yeah
0: and those are the amazing things. but I definitely noticed just the evolution from a year ago and I think for me like major evolution on, yeah. on my, my grief, story journey, whatever you want to call it since then.
2: Well, I love that it's so fresh in your mind because you listened today. What, like, what are some things that have just outwardly right off the bat changed this last year since we last talked with where you're at with your grief?
0: Yeah. So basically, obviously we are coming out of a a worldwide pandemic and I think that's the first, (laughs) I hate using the word cool, but It was a very unique time where literally every single person on the planet was grieving something. Yeah. Whether it was people or eras ending, relationship shifting, identity loss. I mean, there were so many things that grief kind of looked everyone dead in the face. And it also forced everyone to be stuck in it. Yeah. Rather than being so busy that you don't even realize what's happening, what you're grieving. And I think that that was the first major thing for me was I didn't realize how much of a runner I was mm. from my grief, from yeah. my feelings, from relationships, from committing, from like literally looking at anything outside of happy.
1: Yeah.
0: I wasn't able to do until the pandemic. And which is funny, right? Because you and I met when I was living in a van, like the definition of running away from things and like the ability to not commit to anything. Right. (laughs) And so I went back home and my dad died in our house. And so living back at home, it was all sudden like, shit, I'm in a pandemic. I lost so many things. Like I lost my identity as far as I was traveling full-time i was speaking full-time like i I felt like i lost everything and then was being faced with the biggest loss of anything i've ever experienced and that was my dad like being in this house essentially and after like two months into the pandemic i decided that i was going to um record my audiobook of the book that I had published three years prior. Yeah. And I swear, timing of just grief. And like when we do things like this, it's such like little winks from the universe. And as I was recording this audiobook, which I wrote because of my dad dying as a coping mechanism, I was like, holy shit, sis, you have not grieved at all.
1: Yeah.
0: At all. And it was this kind of just gross realization of, uh, I thought that I was doing the work the whole time because I was sharing my story. Right. I also felt like such an imposter because I spoke on it so often or I wrote a freaking book about my grief basically. Yeah. And I was like, you haven't done it. <laughs> and I it really like knocked me down. Um, I started therapy officially this year as well. And like the things I have learned from therapy, but it was like the, um, epitome of learning that there's a difference between sharing, grieving, and healing. Mm. And we think we're grieving when we share, like when I talk about my dad all the time, like he comes up pretty regularly. Yeah. And so I thought that meant I was grieving that I was handling it. Yeah. And then you have the grief aspect where you think it's only like being sad or angry. And so I was like, well, I've done that. I do that all the time. But then the healing part is actually like facing it, sitting in it, um, feeling it without pushing it away. And I realized I never did that. Like healing is the worst thing ever.
2: Yeah. I guess this is a huge, a hu- like it was a huge moment going f- from your van to back to the house and I remember you were like recording that book in your like closet or something right so like you're in the yeah. house and it's like when do you remember the first time you went back to the house and then maybe your mom was out running errands like the house is empty or something and then it was just you your thoughts your emotions in this house like do you remember that feeling
0: yeah I'm getting chills um and I guess to, to clarify, like, are you talking about during this season, this pandemic, or just the first time I ever went back without yeah. my dad?
2: During this pandemic, when all of a sudden your life has just up changed again, and now you're facing this.
0: So honestly, I, this is what's interesting, too, when you put like pandemic into it is I can remember the first time I ever went to that house without anyone in there. The first time I came home and that feeling and that's what gave me chills. But I think the weird part of this is i can't pinpoint it because we were in a pandemic and everyone was at the house all the time
1: mm.
0: you know and yeah. so at, at that point too my sisters were also living at my mom's because they had sold their house and with the way the market was going like everything was falling through and so it literally was me my sister my sister-in-law my two-year-old nephew and my mom all under this house together during a pandemic, all grieving differently, all showing up in life differently. And like also kind of in everyone's business without being in everyone's business. And that was so difficult to wrap my head around (laughs) because I hadn't lived at home in eight years.
2: Yeah. Did you guys ever almost sit around the table and talk about your dad?
0: Yeah, honestly, I feel like I learned a lot. Of my mom's process Mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic where she had even opened up about um, the amount of times she was like, I don't want to be here anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: And she had never said that. And of course, I think, and and the initial thoughts you think about that, because it's so painful, but where she was like, I literally thought about it all of the time. And the only reason I stayed was because of you and Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. And that was so, so painful to hear, because again, you just, you know, your grief or what, what I thought was grief. Um, And it's all different. And it's also situational for so many other people, even the people that lose the same person.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was really difficult to hear. And then my sister and I have definitely talked about it a lot since being back and especially to um with my nephew it's like I'm entering this new season of I'm grieving that he's not there for my sister as like my nephew gets older like I hate that he's not here for this and then I'm 29 like hopefully we'll find a man that will one day be my husband where I can have kids and get married and so you're just entering this thing where like next level shit is all in your face yeah all of these moments that should be really happy there's this underlying grief with them and I was actually just talking about this yesterday with someone about I remember used to thinking I wanted to do all these like memo what is that word memo why can't I say it memories but do you know what I'm trying to say at my wedding um and I I don't think I can do that anymore yeah like, I, I already know he's not going to be there. I don't need a chick. Like, and again, this is totally me. Um, like, no, I, I love people that can do all of that, but I kind of have realized, like, I don't think I'm strong enough to have all of these different things in my face on a day like that.
2: Yeah. I especially, I mean, when you're we were just talking before but like it's a wedding season you're all going to all these weddings you know a lot of them their dads are walking them down the aisle they're doing this with all the photos and that freaking sucks yeah and you and it's like you have to face this awful thing right like you want your dad to be there with your grandkids and it's just like or you know your nephew so like his grandpa and it's like he's not there that freaking sucks you know and Just the thought of my dad not being there to even meet my dog Diego. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just little things where it's just like, well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why are you not here? Why you'll never see it, you know?
0: Yeah, I, um, because we're both sitting here. I feel like asking the question why, right? And how many times have we probably asked ourselves that and everyone else who's lost someone, Yeah. And I was reading something yesterday about um, closure and essentially it was talking about from a relationship standpoint, but basically how when we always think we need closure by like asking the question why and needing to hear a response, yeah, you're essentially always going to have this stained canvas and it's never like a clean slate. So that closure has to come like solely within and I, w- I just was having such a hard time wrapping my head around it. Cause it was like the acceptance piece, like mm-hmm. you accept it. And that means that you're not going to forget it. It doesn't mean the feelings go away, but to me still endings of relationships are so much different than death yeah. and being able to accept that. Cause it just, although it's inevitable everything dies everything ends everything is temporary forever is always shorter than we expect we know this yeah know this from such a young age but I still can't wrap my head around how or why we're supposed to accept that
2: yeah I mean great right like the harder it hurts the more we love them and it it just sucks like why how it's fair that we get to lose these people that we love but Like you said, literally everything and everyone dies and that's just a given. And it's like, why why is this the only guarantee in life? And it's the only thing I feel like everyone avoids at all costs. Yeah. We don't ever talk about it. I started doing this podcast so I can start talking to people about it and not even feel weird. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. this is like just a place that we can come and and talk about it because grief's hard. And then even going to therapy, it's like, Not that it's weird or hard to talk about because like that's the point of them, but it's almost like this taboo topic that should be normalized. And I guess like where we were a year ago, or at least where I was a year ago and and into where I am now, I feel like obviously I'm, I'm, or it's not obvious, but I am definitely past the point now where like every single hour hurts or every single minute hurts, um, There's not a day that goes by where I don't think about him, but like now I think what gets me the worst is um, I was, I thought I've seen every photo of us, but then I like saw a random one the other day that I've never seen. And like that hurts, you know? Um, Have you seen a photo or seen a video that like you thought you've seen them all, but then there's one that you hadn't seen? Has it happened to you?
0: Oh, I feel like every time an anniversary comes around, that's when we definitely find ourselves like going through pictures or my sister, she always posts these pictures on Facebook during those times (laughs) of like pictures of the family that I've never seen in a a, a million years. I don't even know where they came from. I don't know how she found them um but there's a ton of that videos not so much and I don't know if that makes me feel okay because I know that a video would make me even more sad or if it is something I would want to see another thing is um Facebook memories like Uh, but more on the, the the comment side though yeah yeah so you know that my dad's thing was living the dream he always said it i literally that's like the part of the title of my first book i have the tattoo like everything revolved around living the dream and just yesterday or two days ago something gosh this is so timely like i think so many things have happened in the very recent in this conversation that i'm talking about but my sister-in-law had put something on facebook that just said live in the dream yeah. And my dad commented on it, like, we need more people who are living like this. <laughs> and my sister-in-law commented under it and was like, do you mean glazers or family? And he was like, yes, a lot more. The reason this is crazy is because my sister is pregnant with triplets right now. And we just found out that they are all boys.
2: No way. Yes. Wait, true triplets sorry that in itself is crazy
0: (laughs) it is wild and so my nephew as you can hear with sister and sister-in-law my sister is gay and so my current nephew is was carried by my sister-in-law Mindy yeah and the triplets are carried by my uh, blood sister Nikki yeah and so it's just crazy that there's Already one boy who I freaking love and adore. And I already think he's got these characteristics of my dad, even though technically speaking, there's not Glazer blood there. But then now you have my sister who like, Hey, I hope she has one boy at least. So there's like, uh, maybe he'll look like my dad a little bit. And there's three of them.
2: Three Glazers.
0: Three Glazer boys.
2: Unbelievable. And it live in the dream will continue. Oh, Yeah. And it, it's and then I feel like I mean, at least this is where I would think too, is like you just know how stoked he would be. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that on one hand freaking sucks, but on the other hand, it's like awesome to just know that how what a freaking ball that would be. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, to... it is such a double edged sword, right?
2: Yeah. So you said you've been going to therapy this year.
0: Yeah.
2: Do you feel like Cause your has been seven years, eight? seven years, seven years. And do you feel like therapy has helped years six to seven to eight, like in this part of grieving you're in?
0: Oh yeah. This therapy has been life fucking changing yeah. for me. I'll try to explain this without literally talking for the next hour. About it. <laughs> no, I but it. Um, uh Also during the pandemic, I had gotten into a relationship that wasn't the healthiest. And I honestly was just feeling all of this, like, I'm not enough, unworthiness, grieving, being back home, like everything again, like pandemic, you're just sitting in all of this crap. And so I got recommended this therapist who's like, does more of like a healing approach, through a friend. And I remember like the first time I walked in, I sat down and I was just like, I am so tired of being this sad.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I can't even tell you how many days in a row I cried up to this point and months after, like just all day through like randomly and just couldn't get out of bed. I remember the amount of times I woke up and I was like, is this depression? Mm-hmm like there's no way, but is this depression? And I, from the moment I said, I just am tired of being this sad. I literally just cried the entire session, the rest of the session, and then continued doing that weekly for for (laughs) months and months and months. And basically it was so interesting because all of my sessions, even up until the one I had yesterday, they all revolve around grief and love. And so I think it's interesting because we think the opposite of love is hate. Like we grow up thinking that love and hate are opposites of one another. When I truly think the opposite of love is grieving because I think mm. we grieve because we love something so deeply
1: yeah. and we
0: love because we grieved something else so deeply. Mm. And I think that they're so intertwined. And so what I realized is in this breakup I was going through and this not feeling lovable or why is every relationship, why is every man I'm with not someone who's loyal and why is this my pattern? And I'm so great. Like, I don't understand, like, I'm such a kind person. Like I love people so hard. Like I don't understand how this is happening to me. And it was this total victim mentality of Mm -hmm. everyone else doing wrong. And I finally had this moment where I was like, you're the common denominator. And sure, the actions of this other person, like you didn't do that, but what is your part in this? And basically in therapy, as I've been like dissecting grief and the loss of my dad and how that's affected me, I've realized that I've been like on search for the love that my dad gave me, which no one is going to love me like that again. So I'm like searching for the impossible and then there's this other piece of it that is like, well, all men leave. All men that I care about, they leave and they leave too soon. And so it got me really attached to finding people who I knew would leave for another reason other than death. Mm -hmm. And it was easier to, of course, this was like subconscious. I didn't know that I was doing this. I wasn't awake to the fact that I was somehow finding emotionally unavailable people yeah. because I knew it wouldn't work out deep down. And it's so weird to think about that, <laughs> but it's so true. And it's been, again, this process of knowing like it's okay to receive love because I was giving it all day long. I, I love that. But I, so I, because I was giving it, I thought I was receiving it and I, I have not, I've been rejecting that because yeah. I didn't want to get, too close because the weird thing, and I hate even saying this out loud, but again, it's one of those inevitable things is like, even if you're with like the best person ever, like you are perfect person. If that even exists, I don't know all of these things that's going to end from death too. Like no matter what we just talked about, it always ends.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, I've been struggling with that and getting better with it and struggling again and getting better with it. And so Therapy has been so good though because it's made me aware of these patterns and Mm -hmm. tendencies I have of just like in search for my dad and that just doesn't exist it's not going to yeah
2: father's day is coming up
0: Mm -hmm.
2: where's your head at with that where how are you feeling about father's day these days and do you have anything planned
0: I hate father's day yeah I hate it. And it's interesting too. Cause I think I also look at mother's day differently now where I want to celebrate my mother, but I'm also very in tune to all the people who are grieving the loss of their mothers. Yeah. And so it's a weird balance because I should be celebrating my mom, but I do, I find myself feeling bad, too bad, like the empath in me, which from like our old episode I said how empathy is like the one thing I learned and it Mm -hmm. is it's like again this bittersweet thing but that being said it being father's day soon like my stomach drops every time I see father's day cards or all of the like sponsored ads on instagram or Mm -hmm. do this for your dad and then I mean it's just it's hard but um I like will continue my tradition of like going to a baseball field with my kettle one and pouring out a shot for him, taking one of my own and doing my imaginary dinger thing. Um, I'll still celebrate him, but I, if I'm being honest, I still, to this day, hate that day.
2: Yeah. Do you, or going back to, so I know that you try, you're trying to go to every field, every baseball field, right? Yes. Sorry, you froze. Um, Okay, yeah. So go to every field. And how many are you at now?
0: So I'm at 13 out of 30. Okay. And that is A, why I'm so excited. We are done with this pandemic. I'm going to my first baseball game in two years, in like two days, actually, for my sister's birthday. So I'm so excited because I already have this field, but already making plans for... Some other ones, and I know I want to go back. It's it's weird too because I think because I feel like I actually just started grieving. It's almost like I want to redo everything. Yeah. And which also is kind of like a paradox of how I think because I'm like, well, you can't do everything because you don't even have time for the one thing because death, (sighs) death, death, right? So it's it's so funny how our our mind tricks us in so many ways. But we're back at it. Back at the baseball.
2: Yeah. Who are you gonna go see?
0: Uh, It's Indians and twins. Speaking of baseball, my sister had taken some clothes of my dad's uh, when I lived in Vegas. And then I lived in a van. So she was like, hey, whenever you settle down, we'll go through this together. And then you can take things that I don't want or whatever. Yeah. And I'm a very, (laughs) I like loose fitting clothes and boho things. And my sisters are like, I like tight clothes and we're just very we're opposites on every spectrum yeah uh but she had an Indian's jersey of my dad's and she was like I will never wear this because it's obviously huge and I'm yeah. like I will wear this all the time because it's huge so I'm super excited because this will be the first weekend that I actually get to wear it for a game and hey. it's so cool I
2: love that
0: me too. I didn't you even have, know it existed.
2: And and see, like that's crazy too, right? It's just I I almost feel like I've gone I've I've had to have gone to all of my dad's stuff, at least that I have. But that you'll still find things in like whether it is the photos or articles of clothing that you didn't notice. It, and it's like there's so much stuff, and it all has memories attached to it. And so I, I guess that's a good transition to like, do you Currently, what is your favorite memory that you have with your dad? Like what's one that keeps kind of playing back?
0: Yeah, it's he used to always, um, when I lived there before I moved to Vegas, he would always stay up but fall asleep on the couch before like he would go upstairs. He wanted to make sure I got home. And we used to just always have these just very off the cuff. Sometimes it was super deep, sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it was conversations, like hard conversations, but it would always be like, dad, I'm home. And then me thinking I'm going to get to go upstairs right away. And then us having these like conversations. And I truly feel like that's like so simple, but it truly is the thing I think I miss the most because it was so normal. And it just, you never knew it was going to come up. And it's crazy to think, because I always go back to one in particular of him saying, if I ever died, you need to make sure your mom is with someone else. And like you girls would be fine. And I remember being like, Dad, you're gonna live forever. Cause yeah. what daughter does like doesn't think that? Yeah. And it's like, why are we even talking about this? Like we don't need to talk about it. And so those kind of conversations were also things that happened during that time. And although I hate that, it also was like very helpful when we actually you know, went through it. Um, something we talked about on the episode last year was when everyone always says like, oh, it won't happen to you. And you and I are both like, but it could. And we know the reality
1: mm-hmm. of
0: the, it could happen. And so anytime you have these conversations of people or things happen where you're like, oh no, it's fine. Like we don't need to talk about that. Deep down, you're like, oh shit, should we talk about it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you for someone listening that is maybe not at the stage that we're at, but maybe it's a little earlier. Is there something you'd want to tell them now where you're at now that like, about their grief and maybe what can help or what, what helped you?
0: Yeah, I would say try so freaking hard not to run. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I think when I met you, I told you it took me six years to go to a grief group.
1: Yeah.
0: And I remember in that process of the people you were able to introduce me to the amount of times after a group that I couldn't believe and couldn't wrap my head around how brave some of the people who joined us were and brave in not just sharing, but actually feeling, actually talking, actually starting to heal. I don't think we ever are fully healed. Like that doesn't end either. Grief doesn't end sharing. Like none of us ends, Yeah. but I do think that these things are important things that need to happen. And I just remember thinking of how brave, um, these like new humans in my life were and being so scared to get to that level, but knowing I needed to, and like, I had such a, a wall up and, um, So I think that would be my biggest thing is like scary as it is. I think we look at the word brave or being like having bravery and having courage. And I think those are two things that no one would deny. If someone said like, oh, you're so brave. You'd be like, no, 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 I don't like that. I don't like being called brave. Like, no, we all love that. But I think the thing we forget is like in order to be brave, you have to be courageous. And in order to be courageous, you have to do the thing that is scary, yeah, You can't be brave or courageous without doing the scary thing. And in this case, the scary thing is like feeling pain and identifying why you're so anxious, identifying why you can't get out of bed. And I always like to say to um, sometimes like don't try to have the best day ever, just have a day mm-hmm. and just know like up until this point, because whoever's listening, I'm sure you're grieving something you have literally survived 100% of your days. Yeah. Even if it didn't feel like it, like you have survived 100% of those days and that is powerful and that is special and if you can hang on to that then you can like find the ounce. Like literally an ounce, like nothing more some days. If you can at least open your eyes and say I'm not getting out of bed today and stay there all fucking day, that is fine, but just mm-hmm. have a day. Keep going in yeah. some small aspect.
2: Mm-hmm. There is a time where I'll think about my dad and I'll be okay. Then there's another day where I'll probably cry. And then there's some days I'm okay. And I feel like that's different than where I was before. It's like where I can think about him and not cry. And then there's some days where I do. Are you in the same boat with that?
0: Yeah, I um, it's, I, I, I feel and I'm questioning do you ever feel though, it is like one end of the spectrum or the other where I not emotionless, but just able to uh, honor what's happening. And the other times it's, it's an all or nothing. Mm. Uh, I even think about, I'm really triggered by the number 49. We talked about this. Mm. That's the year that my dad died. And so I have this irrational fear with the number and I kind of have, like a timeline on my life or my future husband. I mean, I even think of the last relationship I was in. I was like, Oh, he's 30. I only got 19 more years. Like yeah. literally that was a thought that went in my head. And so I noticed it's an all or nothing. And the reason I'm bringing 49 up is because it's just happened a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't even age, just the number 49 happened. And someone said, well, why don't you do it to 49? And I was like, can we do it to 50? Yeah. And I didn't even know, like, I said it out loud and I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize it was that bad. And I just yeah. lost it. Like could not control tears for a solid 10 minutes in front of a group of people, of course, always in public with me. Always.
2: <laughs> Hasn't changed.
0: <laughs> it does not change. You've no. seen me cry in public. How many times we were at the, <laughs> at that brewery next to Ir- Ironsmith and I was just bawling the one day I remember. <laughs> but yeah, that being said, I feel like it's all or nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, it sucks, but then sometimes it's okay, but then sometimes it really sucks, and as, like, lame as that sounds, it's, like, that's the best way to explain it, at least where I'm currently at, is, like, sometimes, like, now, it's okay, like, I can accept the fact that he died, and and it's awful, but okay, but then sometimes it just, like, really hurts, like especially sometimes I'm like staying up a little too late. So I'm a little tired and then I like see a photo or like go creeping down like Facebook memories like we were talking about. And all of a sudden you like, it's like, just to touch back on that, the comments are crazy. Like mm-hmm. just like the fact that there's like these written words that they wrote. Yeah. But they're no longer here, but they wrote those words. it, it that hurts, man. Like, frick, you know, um, yeah. Book number 2 coming?
0: Yes. I'm yes. By the time I'm 30, it needs to be in my hands, so less Great. than a year, next Great. April. And that actually is another thing. Before I did my audiobook, I remember saying, I need to do the audiobook because I'm tired of saying I wrote my first book because it was a coping mechanism when my dad died. Like it was mm-hmm. like such like this statement that just flowed out of my mouth because that's like the thing people wanted to know. Why did you write this book? And I was so tired. I was exhausted of saying that, of constantly being reminded of it, even though that's not necessarily like the whole theme of the book. That's truly why I did it. And so I was like, I'm ready to write my redemption book. And I literally wrote a forward to my book right before I started the audiobook. And I was like, I'm doing this audiobook so I can be done with it mm-hmm. and move on. And I wrote this book because of death. And I'm writing my redemption book because of life. Then I did the audiobook and I was like, shoot. <laughs> you haven't grieved It's like this year. You haven't redeemed yourself yet. And so yeah. I'm actually going to do this thing and I need to figure out the complete title, but something of like, I want to call it the in-between mm-hmm. because again, I feel like healing is this in-between of it is there's such a misconception around healing that it's like beautiful and it's the light at the end of the tunnel and like you're glowing when you've healed and it has been the most painful like outside of the year that my dad passed, like that was the worst year of my life. This was probably like the second just because of actually healing it. And so book um, number two is kind of going to be all on the healing process and just kind of calling myself out on all of the stuff I've talked about here. As far as I ran, I thought I grieved. I didn't, I only Mm -hmm. felt happy. I kind of was that toxic positivity or toxic optimism a little bit, you know, Mm. it was always just the happy one that was going to like hold your hand and not hold my own. So yeah, yeah, the book is a call out to myself and just to kind of, again, make people feel less alone, open your eyes to healing a little bit more, talk about grief, kind of say everything that's happened since then. And then maybe, maybe we'll get to the redemption book eventually. Who knows?
2: Yeah. I love it. The trilogy, the trilogy of your story and your grief and, where can people find the first book and you currently host a podcast, just kind of plug yourself a little bit.
0: Yeah. So you can get the first book at my website if you want it signed, um, alexaglaser.com, but I know it's easier to do Amazon because your credit card's already in there. So you can get Amazon to search Alexa Glazer. It's a white and black book living the dream today because tomorrow's not promised. Um, I have a podcast, like Daniel said, it's called Chasing Alignment, and that's on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And then I hang out a lot on Instagram at Alexa Glazer underscore. Come be my friend. (laughs) Well,
2: Perfect. Thank you for doing round two. And when the book is done and written and about to release, we'll do number three.
0: Yeah, well, now it'll be basically like, this is a once a year occurrence for us. So it's perfect.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for doing this and sharing kind of where you're at now. And I felt like this was awesome because it's such a a different perspective from both of us a year later.
0: Yeah, Uh,
2: 100%.
0: (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love you to pieces. Thanks for holding space for me and other people, for real.
1: Love you.